born to die that he might give eternal life that I might live Welcome to Yankee Arnold Ministries. Dr. Arnold will be with you in just a moment, but first, we want you to know how much we appreciate your prayers and financial support. You may help this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Again, that's 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Feel free to send Dr. Arnold your questions or comments to yankee at yankeearnold.com, and he will respond as quickly as possible. Now, here is Dr. Arnold with today's message. Go ahead and take your Bible and turn to the book of 1 Corinthians in chapter 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. And look there in verse 13. Verse 13. Do you not know that they which minister about holy things live of the things of the temple? And they which wait at the altar are partakers with the altar. Even so hath the Lord ordained that they which preach the gospel should live of the gospel. But I have used none of these things, neither have I written these things, that it should be so done unto me. For it were better for me to die than that any man should make my glory in void. For though I preach the gospel, I have nothing to glory of. For necessity is laid upon me. Yea, woe unto me if I preach not the gospel. For if I do this thing willingly, I have a reward. But if against my will a dispensation of the gospel is committed unto me, what is my reward then? Verily that when I preach the gospel, I may make the gospel of Christ without charge, that I abuse not my power in the gospel. The gospel is at the center of everything that we do. should be the purpose of our life. Christ says, if you lose your life for my sake and the gospels. So whatever we do here on planet Earth after we've trusted Christ as our Savior should be because it's for the sake of Christ. You see, he died for the whole world. So for his sake, we tell people what he did for them. The gospel is that message that we preach for the sake of Christ. And the gospel should be the gospel, not a rendition of the gospel. It should be the gospel, the main thing. So I thought I would talk to you a little bit today about the doctrine of stewardship. You see, the doctrine of stewardship is an important doctrine because you and I need to understand in this life we really don't own anything. God owns it all. Everything belongs to the Lord. And there's things that He has loaned to us temporarily to use for His honor and for His glory. So the doctrine of stewardship as 
taught here by the Calvary Community Church, is important for every person to understand why we do what we do. The doctrine of stewardship as expressed by Calvary Community Church is in the following concepts have been interwoven throughout this ministry. 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 1. Very interesting verse. Because it says, Let no man account of us as of the ministers of Christ and stewards of the mysteries of God. In other words, stewardship is it means that you represent someone. Uh, God has loaned you some things to distribute for him. Or economos in the Greek is talking about like a, a house servant. Someone who does the work but doesn't own anything. You and I have been entrusted with life. We've been entrusted with the gospel. We've been entrusted with opportunities. And with the Holy Spirit. And with the Bible. So there's many things that God has committed into our trust. And we are going to be held accountable for this. So 1 Corinthians in chapter 4 and verse 2 says, Moreover, it is required in a steward that a man be found rich. Is that what it says? No, it doesn't say you've got to be found rich. Popular? No. Faithful. Because that's one thing that every child of God, regardless of who you may be, wherever you may be, whatever you're supposed to do, you can be found faithful to do what you can with what you have where you are. Do you agree with that? Do you have a problem with God so far? Shouldn't God have the right to tell us who He is and who we are, and for us to keep it in mind, we're not God? There's only one true and living God, and I'm not God, and you are not God. But there is a God, and God has spoken. Everything, everything belongs to the Lord. For the earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof. Everything in the world belongs to God. Do you have a problem with that? Can you accept that? Do you want to argue with God on that fact? Or can you accept it? God owns it all. What about that body of yours? If you have trusted Christ as your Savior, did not Jesus Christ go to the cross and pay a price for that body? Not only the soul, but also the body. Have you ever heard people talk about, you know, this abortion thing about a woman saying, well, it's my body. It's my body. According to the Bible, it's God's body. That child inside of that mother's womb belongs to God. He calls it a heritage of the Lord. So it all depends on your perspective, where you're coming from. So he says in chapter 6 of 1 Corinthians and verse 19, What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God, and get this, you are not your own. So if you are not your own, then whose are you? Who do you belong to? Well, lo and behold, I belong to God. You belong to God. Does God have a right to do what he wants with those that belong to him? How he might lead or guide you or even take you home or leave you here? 
All these are very, very important things, and they answer a lot of questions. But a lot of times, people don't agree with God, and they, they want to do their own thing as though it's my right. Well, let's look at what God has to say. So he says in verse 20, same chapter, same book, he says, For you are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. So that we establish this point. Everything belongs to God. Even I belong to God. He may own the cattle on the thousand hills, but he owns the hills too. He owns the ocean. He owns all the trees. He owns the stars, the sun, the moon. And he can do anything he wants with anything that belongs to him. But there's some things that God says he will never do. And once you trust Christ as Savior, he said he'll never cast you out and never lose you. That's good to know. Now, believers, believers, that's those who have trusted Christ as their Savior. Believers will give an account of all that he has committed into their hands. Everything you have received from the Lord. He says in Corinthians in chapter 4, what do you have that you did not receive? What do you have that you did not receive? You have received everything. The air you breathed, you received it from somebody else. That body, you received it from somebody else. Your very life, you got it from somebody else. You see, you haven't really done too much lately, have you? Most of us are just living our lives, trying to get through. But we want to be as happy as we can be with whatever we can attain, what we can get our hands on. So God says, all of the believers, especially believers, are going to have to give an account to God for whatever God has committed to us. The Bible says, as it is written, Romans chapter 14, verse 11, as I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is the Lord to the glory of God the Father. Every knee, every person. And then the very next verse in Romans chapter 14 and verse 12 when he says, so then every one of us must give an account unto God. So that means that if we have to give an account to God, then God must know everything that we're doing with whatever he has committed to us. So that also means that Every decision I make, i got to give an account. Everything that I do must give an account. Everything I think must give an account. We're going to have to give an account to God. And every knee shall bow. And every tongue will confess that He is the Lord, the glory of God the Father. So the day will come when we are going to have to face the God of creation... There's an Old Testament verse that says, prepare to meet thy God. Life is a time of preparation. We're preparing to meet our creator. Now, I will not meet him as my creator. I will meet him as my father. If you have not trusted Christ as Savior, you'll meet him as the creator of the heavens and the earth, as the judge of all the earth. That day will come and we will give an account. We will be judged 
based on what God has committed to us. God knows what he has given to you. He knows every talent and abilities, your possessions, your wealth, your skills, everything about you. And God says you're going to have to count to him. Did you use whatever God gave you for his honor, for his glory, to glorify the Lord? Do you have anything by which you have used to draw people to the Lord? Does your home, does it belong to God? Even the car you drive, that's the Lord's car. That's the Lord's. That's the Lord's. That's the Lord's. That's the Lord's. Lord's. I'm the Lord's. And everything that I have belongs to Him. If you believe that, and you live that way, and you do it honoring Him, you'd be surprised how God may richly bless. Now He says in the book of Luke, For unto whomsoever much is given... Much is required. The more God has blessed you with, the more you are responsible for. The less that you have, the less you are responsible for. Now, something God has given to us equally. We often say that all men are created equal. But as far as people go, not everybody's equal. We have equal responsibility to God to love the Lord And to live the way God wants us to. But you may not always have the equal in possessions or wealth. And so therefore, give an account unto God for what he has done. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3 and verse 8. And every man, every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. Salvation, going to heaven, is always free. Rewards are what God is going to give to you and I when we get to heaven. So therefore, every individual will be rewarded according to what you have done, the work you have done. If that is true, the work you do is very important. And the reason or the motive of why you do what you do is equally important. So therefore, life is not just a humdrum, boring life. Every day and every moment can be exciting. When you realize, I'm living for a purpose. And it doesn't matter what all the rest of the people in the world will do. What is the will of God for me? Therefore, it is important for a child of God to study the Word of God so that you can know the will of God. And God knows what you could have known. He knows what you do know. He knows what could have happened if you had done something else. All the possibilities... He knows it all. He makes a statement for the lost man. Death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them, and they were judged every man according to their works. You see, all the believers are going to be rewarded according to what they've done. All the unbelievers are going to be judged according to their works, not to determine their destination. They're already standing at the great white throne judgment And it's to determine the amount of punishment they receive in hell for the light they had. The opportunities that they had. For all the evidence that God left all over the world that there is a God. And so people can either believe the evidence. And that's why he says the heavens declare the handiwork of God. You know there's a God by simply seeing the heavens. 
Look into the mirror and you can know there's a God. Man did not create that. When I consider all of the various animals and how all of the animals, they live and they die, but in that process, they have youngins. There's always a male and a female, and they can have youngins. And evolution did that? You've got to be nuts to think that just happened. Where's all their reasoning gone? And so God says, I left evidence. Remember this, all we like sheep have gone astray, and every man has turned to his own way. After you trusted Christ as your Savior, don't you think there's still that desire to go your own way? To live your life however you want, without believing that you have been committed and trusted, and you're going to have to give an account. And nobody does it for anybody else. It's an individual thing. So it's very, very important. A Christian will lose the assets, abilities, and positions that he does not use for God. In other words, one of the worst things that can ever happen, it's the last line on your screen, is to be placed on a shelf and not used by God. You'd be surprised at the people that God has blessed with various talents and abilities, but they use it for the world and not for God. And how much could have been done for the cause of the gospel and for reaching people that people don't use it for the Lord. And it's amazing that if you don't use it, you can lose it because God can take these things away. Or God may take you and put you on a shelf and you'll live and you'll go through the motions. But you'll feel like your whole life is a waste. Like you're not accomplishing anything. The years are rolling by. And you're no closer to the Lord. You're accomplishing nothing, but you play the game. But nothing's real to you. Whatever you have, use it for the Lord. In Luke chapter 16, verse 1, he says, And he said unto his disciples, There was a certain rich man which had a steward. And the same was accused unto him that he had, and I underline this for a reason, wasted his goods. There's a lot of God's children that are wasting their stewardship. They're ruining their life because not using what God gave you for His honor and for His glory. Isn't it a shame, stop and think, that God founded the church? I didn't found this church. Hank Glenston didn't do it either, really. He might have got it together and organized it. But the church belonged to God. God's the one that laid out how the church is to be done. And isn't it a shame if there's people who, though they have the talent or the abilities to do so many things, never do. And work falls upon the shoulders of just a handful of people. But you think about that. In Luke chapter 16, verse 2, And he called him and said unto him, How is it that I hear this of thee? And here's these words that every one of us is going to have to answer. One day, give an account of thy stewardship. Give an account. As we just looked at in the book of Romans in chapter 14, where it says, Every man shall give an account of himself to God. Not to each other. But there's a personal God, and you're supposed to know this God. You see, you may come to church but not know God. You may read the Bible and not know God. You know about God. You may know there is a God, but you don't know God. You see, to know God is to have eternal life. To know God is to be his child. To know God is he's your father. I mean, when you know God. 
So I thought I'd just write that little line, the shame of being placed on the shelf. When God takes away your opportunities, and next thing you know, you don't, I can't do this, I can't do that. And you'll be saying, I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't. You can't do anything. Why? Because you've either lost the desire, you lost the skills, you lost the talents, you lost your abilities, you can lose your treasures, you can lose everything because if you haven't used it for the Lord, and you're not going to use it for the Lord, what a terrible thing to be taken home ahead of time or to be placed on a shelf and not used. That's what Paul was talking about in 1 Corinthians in chapter 9 when he was committed to the gospel. Even if he says, I don't want to do it, a dispensation of the gospel, still committed, I'm still responsible. And he says, they'll all run in a race. He says, you're running for the prize. He says in chapter 9 and verse 27, when he talks about concerning being a castaway, though I have worked and I labored, the last thing he said I want to do is be a castaway, not losing salvation, but set on the shelf and not used because I didn't run the race according to the rules. Because when you want to win, you have to run according to the rules. Striving for the mastery. You want to accomplish something with your life. You reap what you sow. So many people, and I get these emails every day, they're on the YouTube, questions concerning messages that I preach, and they're all over the place, and there's no, no time that I can put to it. And you can't answer all of them. But people that are suffering consequences because of decisions they made years ago. Because, see, the law of the harvest generally is, you know, you, you reap what you sow and you reap later and you reap sometimes more. It gets worse. But Galatians chapter 6 and verse 7. Be not deceived, God is not mocked. For whatsoever man soweth, that shall he also reap. Remember, you sow bitterness, you're going to reap bitterness. You sow jealousy, you reap that. You sow hatred, you reap that. Whatever you sow, you're going to reap. But a man who sows joy will reap joy. And it won't matter what other people say or do, because joy is a fruit of the Spirit that comes from within, not from without. And it doesn't matter sometimes about even your health conditions. And you may have to go through all kinds of things physically, but you'll know that body that you have, with all of its weaknesses and the sicknesses and the cancer and all the, you name You know, that body belongs to God. And sometimes not all doctors, not all the hospitals, not all the medicine can change anything. And sometimes you have to live with it. And sometimes you'll have to suffer the consequences. And sometimes you're going to die. We're all going to die one of these days, and it won't matter. We're trying now the best we know how to extend our life as long as we can. And we pray that we'll have a tranquility of peace, you know, extended just a little while longer. But the day will come when nothing will work. In that little statement up there, wrong motive is what makes prosperity materialism. You see, Solomon was rich when he was younger, and he was right with God. But there's nothing wrong with riches. Abraham was a rich man. There's nothing wrong with riches. It's whenever... You fall in love with your riches. It's when that means more to you than anything else in the world. There's nothing wrong in having nice things. Use it for the Lord. This belongs to the Lord. When you get in your car, that car belongs to the Lord. That's God's car. It ought not go where it ought not go. It ought not carry what it ought not carry. 
You see, there's a lot of things you can have and you can enjoy. God's not against that. But that's not a sign of spirituality. A man can be poor and have absolutely nothing and be spiritually and godly with God. And some people can have a lot of material possessions and not be right with God. That's not a good judge of whether a man is right with God or not. Because you may be healthy today, he says, because I'm so spiritual. You may be on your deathbed tomorrow. Is it because in the last 24 hours you got ungodly? For if you sow to the flesh, you shall reap of the flesh corruption. But he that sowed to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. So when we sow, and we sow the Word of God, we have people, fruit, that will live forever. It's better to walk with God and have fruit that will remain, as he says in John 15, People that will have eternal life. Are it not ye my glory, my joy, at the coming of Jesus Christ when that day comes? You reap in the same proportion as you sow. He says, give, and it shall be given unto you. See, most people in life, all they want to do is get. Get. As they used to say, I regret that I've only got one life to give to my country. But if you want to serve God, you have to plant before you expect to reap. Sow the seed, and he says, those who sow in tears will come rejoicing. The day will come when you'll see the people that you've led to the Lord. One day when we get to heaven, we'll see the result of all of our sacrifice, and it will be worth it all. He says, it's like having a big old basket. And you go to a farmer's market, and you say, I want a basket full. And it shall be given unto you, good measure, pressed down, shake it a little bit, running over, shall men give unto your bosom. For with the same measure that you meet with all, it shall be measured to you again. In other words, you want God to bless you, then do that which brings God's blessings. Be a blessing to people. You want to be blessed? Be a blessing. Encourage people. Pray for people. Exhort people, challenge people, and you'll be surprised how that those same people down the road will be challenging you. Sometimes when I have felt down and so low, I'll get a phone call from somebody that picks me right up. It just happened the other day. That's such a blessing, and that can bring joy to you. When you see some of the results that are coming, giving is a proof of your love for the Lord. Christ was the proof of God's love. God so loved the world that he gave. And he is the proof of God's love. I even wrote a song about that. But giving is a proof of your love for the Lord. Now, the body belongs to God, and everything that I have is supposed to belong to God. In this verse, I speak not by commandment, but by occasion of the forwardness of others, and to prove the sincerity of your love. This is mentioned in the book of 2 Corinthians in chapter 8. The whole chapter is awesome. To prove the sincerity of your love. You see, how we live, how we give, reveals something about our love for God. If I love God, I will not be afraid to give. If you're afraid to give because you question whether God's going to take care of everything, that's because you doubt God. You don't think God's way is not going to work. And then you live in fear. 
So if you only had just a few seeds, do you eat them or do you plant them? It's a good story. Do I eat these or do I plant these? And see, some people are afraid to plant because they think God's not going to come through. And so they worry. And God says, you sow sparingly, you will reap what? Sparingly. But if you sow bountifully, you will reap bountifully. God says that in First Corinthians to the church, you and I. Have you ever heard preachers tell you that you must turn from sins to be saved and go to heaven? Does that mean you must turn from only the big sins or all sins before God will save you? Pastor Yankee Arnold has prepared just the right book with answers straight from the Bible. The book is called Gospel Driven Man, and Pastor Yankee wants to send it to you free of charge. Simply write to Pastor Yankee at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634, and request the book, or request by email at yankee at yankeearnold.com. That's yankee at yankeearnold.com. Thanks for listening to today's broadcast. We pray that today's message was a blessing to you and your family. You may help support this radio ministry by donating online at yankeearnold.com or by mail at Yankee Arnold Ministries, 7028 West Waters Avenue, Suite 316, Tampa, Florida, 33634. Friend, one day it will happen. The trumpet will sound and we will be changed caught up to meet the Lord in the air. So live today and every day, believing that the Lord is coming soon, and just keep looking up. Amazing grace amazes me.